So now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. How you doing, people? Can you hear me okay? I hope you can. I'm going to go ahead and look over here at my Facebook. Wait. Uh, I would show you what's on my screen, but I can't. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Alright, here we go. I'm going to go ahead and tweet that out. Alright. Hello, people. I'm glad that you're here. Can you hear me okay? Because I feel funny in my head. I don't know if you look funny in your head. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. But I can hear you just fine, just so you know. You can? Okay. All right. Yeah, I can. I just, you know, it was raining out, so I came upstairs. You nailed it. Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> I nailed it. Yeah, I did. Mm. All right, look at all you people that are coming in. That's awesome. Glad you're here. I know it's not because of me, is it? Yeah, it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> actually, wow, this sounds weird in my head. All right. So yesterday, you guys may know... That Gina gave me a cutie. And today, I want to introduce you to Gino. <laughs> Gina and Gino. Harp. That's who they are. Hello, it's like looking in a mirror. Oh, yes, it is. It is. Ah. Oh. Okay, anyway, enough of that. How can you tell them apart? A mother's intuition. Yes. So which is which again? This is Gina and this is Gino. Okay. Just testing. Plus I'll mark something on the bottom of the foot so I <laughs> don't forget. <laughs> because it's important. It's really important to, <laughs> to differentiate them. <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. You would never want to call one one of them by the wrong name. <laughs> My damage, my damage, their inanimate vinyl psyche. Yeah. Okay, alright, okay, 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 okay. Stop it. Alright, good, now I don't have to listen to myself. In my head, wait. Okay. I hear myself. Is this on? Ah, that's what it is, I gotta turn down the volume. There we go, now I can turn myself down. Okay, there we go. Alright, hey everybody, so today is, uh... December 27th, and we're going to do a couple of announcements here first, um, before we get into the hot topic of the day, 
which is queer theology, and that's actually what they call it. Not me. I don't call it that. They call it that uh, because they can. So let me go ahead and take a second here to share this out on Facebook. By the way, if you don't know, you might not know this, but Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our name is Bible News Radio on all of that. So in the event that you uh, are wondering where you can find the show, all you got to do is go to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all that, and you can uh, go ahead and find our show. Yeah, I know. And so the... (laughs) So the title of the show is, Is Jesus Polyamorous? Happy Polyamorous. Bur- polyamorous. Is, is Jesus Polyamorous? And happy birthday, Vicki Fidge. <clears throat> so I know, I, know you, I, know, I know a lot of you guys are probably wondering, how do I come up with these topics? You know, I mean, what is it? <laughs> oh, oh, well, I have to tell you, we'll talk about it. But anyway... <laughs> Also, in case you didn't know, today is also National Fruitcake Day, and uh, I would like to take an impromptu poll on this topic. Uh, Randall, do you like fruitcake? I've I've never bought one on my own. I've eaten some when it was present, and I can tolerate it, but it's not something I would go out of my way to eat. If it's put in front of me, you know, oh, here's a slice of fruitcake. I will be polite and eat it, but good to know. generally not my, not uh, my preference. I actually like fruitcake. True story. I like fruit and I like cake. So what's not, you know, good, you know, to have fruitcake together? I'm just saying fruitcake is not a bad thing. Well, it's usually the, the combination of thing. It's the... <laughs> At least my experience is the spices in the cake with the fruit that's in it. And, See, Jason loves fruit cake. And I don't know. A man after my own heart. Nice. Mm. Well, I like fruit cake because maraschino cherries are in it. If it's done right. Just so you know. All right. So, okay. So uh, that was for free. Okay. We're going to get to this topic in just a second, but today, hello people. I got my copy of Direct Selling 101 by Vicki Fitch, who I've actually been Fitch slapped numerous times by, uh, and I've been all over the map in here to, uh, you know, Fitch slap Island and... (laughs) The other stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've lived here over on Fitch Lapped Island numerous times, man. <laughs> Tell you what. There, if I bet you, true story, if you shaved my head, you would probably have Vicky's handprint on my head underneath because I've been... <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, that's not totally true. <clears throat> she lives in California, so it's hard to reach me all the way out here. But anyway, actually, you guys, I did get my copy today. I actually ordered my copy. I actually paid for my own copy of this book, but Vicky sent me an actual copy. Yeah. Autographed and everything. Yeah. I'm. This is mine. You can't have it, but you can get it if you go over to Amazon or go to Vicky's website. 
and buy this. If you seriously are uh, in, you if you need honestly a book that helps you know how to sell, then you should get it. I'm not kidding you. You really should. I spent a lot of money having Vicky coach me, like for <coughs> grand. Um, <clears throat> anyway, and I have to tell you that. You cannot have to spend all that money <laughs> if you actually just spend the money on the book under 20 bucks. I mean, seriously, one of the best investments you can make in your direct selling career or if you happen to be a person and you need some help with your help, you know, self-help or whatever, get the book. Um, it's, it's excellent. I endorsed it on the back. In fact, I did. She let me. This is what I said. I said, if direct sales has ever scared you, then direct selling 101 will equip you with the confidence you'll need to succeed in business. True story. It is literally thousands of dollars worth of sales coaching and understanding of people put skillfully and humorously into bite-sized pieces that anyone can digest. True story. So, get your copy of Direct Selling 101 today, okay? You can get it at Vicky's website or at Amazon. Get it. And then you can get the next book after that, Evict the Bully in Your Head. Okay? I also wrote a thing for that. But today is Vicky's birthday. I'm not going to say how old she is because she would hit me if I did. So that's my gift to you, Vicky, just so you know. <laughs> uh, happy birthday. And everybody out there, if you know Vicky, then feel free. Make sure you tell her happy birthday to make her feel loved and special because she is one in a million, trillion, gazillion. There she is. And look at that. I am honestly super proud of her for doing this. It is so cool, honestly, in all sincerity, to see somebody that I learned from directly actually achieve one of their goals and, um, and have the finished product seriously in my hand and just see it. It's really cool. It is really cool. It is not a small undertaking to write a book. Okay, I'm just saying, she's crazy enough to write a dozen of these things, and you're going to read them all if you're smart. Okay, all right. So that's it. All right, everybody. Now, I'm going to go ahead and refresh my page over here. If you're on Facebook, I can't see you yet, but if you are, I thought I saw Linda over there. Um, I want to say hi. If you're on YouTube, thanks for joining us. This topic today, let me just just share this out and just tell you right off that um, I, when I saw this story this morning, uh, it was posted from somebody uh, on a website that, <clears throat> on Facebook actually, the man that, that posted it uh, actually uh, is a former homosexual, okay? And so this is a man who has dealt with his same-sex attraction to men. Uh, he's married. He's got children. And um, he understands the Bible. And he's, he was sharing this story that we're going to share with you. Uh, in, in true, honest, um, you know, sincerity, genuineness of heart to try to correct the error that's there. And you know what, you guys, the opening of this show every day is Ephesians 5.11, which says, let us, uh, is it Ephesians 
I think it is. You would think I'd know. It's my show. But but we need to expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness, right? And, you know, not engage in them. We need to expose them. And I have to tell you, this is hard for me to do. This is a very hard topic to discuss. Not because I don't know the subject matter or whatever, but because honestly, when you do discuss it, uh, and people come in and they only hear one part of what you're saying, they tend to attack you as a person, or they'll tell you you're gay or lesbian, or you're closeted. Oh, you look like you're transgender. Oh, your hair look. You need a haircut. Oh, you need somebody to do your makeup. Oh, you should lose weight. Blah, blah, blah. All of these topics, you know, all these insults that I have received for well over a decade, easy, um, since I've been covering this topic on this show. <clears throat> and you know what? I bring this topic to you today to share with you. Unfortunately, this is going on and the church has to have a biblical answer for the deception that is out there. And, you know, we've talked about the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered questioning um, agenda for a long time. I've been on the inside of the conferences run by the homosexual lobby, the GLSEN conference, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Uh, I've been to the SESCAL conference, which is a psychology conference that was designed to teach therapists how to make their offices and schools uh, pro-gay. Right. I've I've actually sat through their indoctrination training and that's exactly what it is. And I've shared with you, I think, an eight or nine part series on the book uh, after the ball written by two homosexual activists, which if you haven't watched, you need to go over to my YouTube channel and watch it. Spend a week and, and watch the shows that we did exposing how they laid this plan out to indoctrinate and to trick the church into believing that this is normal, natural uh, behavior and not only the church, but the world, right? Which hardly embraces anything that they feel is, t you know, tantalizing to their flesh, right? Never, ever, ever, ever looking at the root underlying causes of the issue. In fact, the deception goes so deep that the American Psycho Psychological Association basically laid the foundation for the acceptance of the homosexual, lesbian, gay, transgender identity as acceptable and normal. And they did this when they, by activism, removed the diagnostic mental disorder of homosexuality from the DSM way back in 1973, which for some of you guys actually, uh, you know, is like before you were even born, right? I mean, I was born in 1968, and, you know, that was just a couple years after I was born. So this has been out there for a very long time. What this agenda, however, never does is they never show you the true underbelly of the issue. They don't want to look at the suicides. They don't want to look at the drug or the sex addiction or the broken relationships or all that stuff that is attached to all this. They don't want to look at any of that, right? Um, and, you know, we've we've looked at a lot of that over time. But today what we're going to do is we're just going to look at this um, thing. Do you want to play the video, Randall? Or should we just yes. read the... Re you want to play the video? Okay. So we're going to just play the video. This was over on, on Facebook. Um, and it is from a guy who runs a website, which I don't advocate for, by the way. But 
it says here the website is queertheology.com. And I'm pretty sure that any serious Bible scholar who's ever attempted to debate this guy, the guy turned down. But anyway, you guys can learn more about that. In fact, the I will go ahead and tell you what it says. It says inspiration and encouragement for LGBTQ Christians. And, uh, and then it gives a whole bunch of different um, resources. You can sign up and get daily encouragement to encourage you to walk in this way. And it says here, how do you reconcile Christianity with an LGBTQ identity? Question mark. Queer theology provides a supportive community and in-depth resources for queer Christians and straight supporters. Do you have the sense that there is more to being LGBTQ than simply what we are not? Not sick, not sinful, not what Leviticus is talking about, not dishonoring God with our transition. So do we. That's what queer theology is all about, uncovering and celebrating the gifts that LGBTQ people bring to the church and the world and the ways in which Christianity has always been queer. You'll find a variety of resources, articles, podcasts, magazines, online courses that meet you where you are and push you to go deeper. That's actually right there on the front of their website. It actually says affirmation delivered. And then it says here, every weekday we send out a queer inclusive affirmation, a quote, scripture passage, song lyric, anything that inspires us along with a few reflection questions. And and then it gives some endorsements from various people on here. But obviously I am giving them publicity, which, you know, I know you guys can check it out if you'd like. I I obviously don't support anything that they're doing here, uh, but we have to bring it to you in order so that you know what's going on. Because when this does address you and hit you at your church or wherever it is, you're going to have to know that it's there. And unfortunately, a lot of people um, do not want to even look at it and acknowledge that this, this is happening in the church. And because it is happening in the church, we have to address it. So that's what we're doing. Okay, so Randall... When you're ready, just, there you go. Okay, he's ready, so we're going to go ahead and play the video. Jesus is polyamorous. Yeah, you heard me right. Jesus is polyamorous. We know this already, though, even if we don't think about it or put it in those terms. If you're one of those Christians who believes in the importance of a personal relationship with Jesus, well, Jesus is having personal relationships with billions of other people, too. He's kind of a relationship slut. An empowered, reclaimed sort of slot. Hey there, I'm Brian G. Murphy. I'm one of the co-founders of QueerTheology.com. I'm a Christian, and I'm polyamorous. I'm also kind of a slut. The reclaimed, empowering kind of slut. Like Jesus. Jesus' polyamory goes beyond this personal relationship idea, though. It's deeper. Biblical, even. In Ephesians 5, Paul specifically uses the word marriage to describe Christ's relationship with us. Repeatedly, Paul reminds us that Jesus gave himself for us. Us, the church, which Paul describes as the whole body of believers. In this marriage, Jesus isn't married to one person. He's married to the entire body of believers. Jesus is in a pansexual, polyamorous relationship with us. And so, of course, Christians can be polyamorous. That's a biblical model of relationship. We already recognize that God's love for us isn't diminished by God's love for others and that each of us can have a unique, transcendent relationship with the divine. 
our relationship with God can be a model for our romantic and sexual relationships as well. You know how you feel when something good happens to someone you care about? When your friend, child, neighbor, or coworker connects with the divine? That's how I feel when my partners date or meet someone new or are just head over heels for someone else. How beautiful, how majestic that they get to have more love in their life. And how exciting that someone else gets to experience the amazingness of my partner. The word polyamory comes from poly and amorous. Many loves. We all already have many loves. The question then becomes, how do you express that love? With whom? How do you do life? We want to help you sort through those questions. Is polyamory for me? How do I share with my church community that I'm in a polyamorous relationship? How do I talk with my partner about wanting an open relationship? How do I integrate polyamory with my faith? If you want to explore the intersections of polyamory and Christianity, or you want some hands-on support in your own life and relationships, head on over to queertheology.com polyamory. We've got some resources up now and we'll be continuing to add to them. You can also sign up for updates to be in the loop as we add more. We see in Ephesians an understanding that marriage can be polyamorous, that Jesus is polyamorous with us, and so we know that it's possible. Of course, we also see other types of relationships in scripture, some healthier than others, and no one has to be polyamorous. But it's one way of structuring relationships, and it can be a deeply faithful one. And so it is. <laughs> okay. So. And so it is. Well. Not. Okay. Well, okay. So let's look at, let's look at this a minute. Okay. He's definitely a handsome young man. Yeah. Sweet guy. No doubt. Somebody I could be his mom, no doubt. Probably. I feel like I'm getting old. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I um, I saw that and I thought, you know, there's actually quite a bit in there that he said. And um, the first the first thing I noted, Randall, and I have to, you know, actually I want you to, to definitely weigh in here because you're the scholar more than me. Yeah, student. But the first thing he clearly does is he actually redefines polyamorous that's what he does right he redefines it i'm going to read you the actual dictionary definition of what polyamorous is okay you can go to dictionary.com you can look this up this is actually what the dictionary says it's an adjective and it says here noting or relating to polyamory the practice or condition of participating simultaneously in more than one serious romantic or a sexual relationship with the knowledge and consent of all partners. Okay? So the first thing is the actual definition <laughs> of polyamorous actually is one serious romantic or sexual relationship with the knowledge and consent of all partners. So romantic or sexual relationship. So he totally, when he says Jesus is polyamorous, that is completely false. And, I mean, that... Isn't he married to many people? No. Isn't the church made up of many people? Yes, the church is made up. Is it a marriage of... Is it a marriage relationship? Not the way that you uh, would think... But, but let's just look at the facts, okay? Let's not get all emotional about this. It's hard not to, but this, the fact is, is that he redefines 
he redefines the word first. And I've said this for years that whoever uh, controls the language controls the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we look at the terms homosexual just as just as an example, and the term gay. Uh, gay. Everybody used to use the word gay and understand that it meant happy, right? Mm-hmm. We'll have a gay old time, you know. Flintstones. It was. It's right. in their song. Right. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. You know. They're a modern Stone Age family. That's right. <laughs> Which is. Were they a modern Stone Anyway. <laughs> But anyway, at the end, they talk about, you know, it's a, they have a gay old time. So, you know, so that's that's that. But, I mean, I heard at the counseling conference I was at run by a lesbian that um, that you should never use the term homosexual because they don't like the term homosexual because uh, because it suggests sex and the sexual behavior. And that's really what the what the homosexual lobby has done so greatly and we've seen this in after the ball the book written by these two gay activists that they have actually removed sexual behavior from the actual conversation and they've made it all about the brain they've redefined everything and if you use the word gay then you basically have bought into the lingo that they want you to so that's why i try to use most of the time the word homosexual even though my friend jr cracks me up he's like he's liberal and he's like you know, if you want to say anti-gay, it's one. He's one of the one of my funniest liberal friends because he's like so anti-gay he could be conservative. <laughs> so kind of ironic, but anyway, he's like, "What did you say? Did you say gay?" I go, "Uh, yeah." He goes, "You mean homosexual, don't you?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah, okay, just so you know." But anyway, uh, so that was that was the first thing. So Jesus is polyamorous, according to this guy by his redefinition of the word polyamorous, right? Yeah. His logic in there. Well, you know, Ephesians 5, you know, and which talks about uh, husband-wife relationship and then not out B, and then he says, you know, he's speaking of Christ and the church, uh, how the husband and wife relationship is is a model of the relationship between Christ and the church. Uh-huh. And of course, his logic goes on. His logic reminds me of in Monty Python's Holy Grail movie. I think it's the Holy Grail. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I know I'm probably some backslidden heathen because I find humor and uh, much of their stuff. Some of it is definitely crude and uh, not a fan of it, but English humor. Anyway, there's just... One part in one of the films, I think it was that one. See, I'm not that big a fan. I can't remember what film it is. But there's this woman that they suspect of being a witch. And so, well, how are they going to prove whether she's a witch? Well, the logic goes like this, that witches are made of wood. And wood floats. What also floats? A duck floats. So if she weighs as much of a duck as, 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 if she weighs as much as a duck, then she must be a witch. And... (laughs) <laughs> and it's that kind of logic that this guy uses. Well, the you know, Paul talks about this and equates marriage to Jesus and the church, and and the church is made of many people. Therefore, Jesus is polyamorous because marriage is a it's a you know it's a romantic flash sexual relationship. Therefore, the Bible gives uh, you know condones polyamorous relationships and. But can we turn to scripture just for a moment? Sure. I would love to do that. Go ahead. 
Turning to Matthew chapter 19, I'm going to use the ESV just because that's okay. modern language. Okay. It says, and the Pharisees came up to him, that would be Jesus, Yeshua, and tested him. They were looking to trip him up by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the, how many? Two. Two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate, certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and what is that? That's marital unfaithfulness. We could look at the Greek if you want to. But, and marries another, not six or ten or twelve or even five, just one other. Marries an other, an, made a, it's a compound word, an, denoting one, singular, other, and other, commits adultery. So, um, that is if, that is even if he divorces his wife and marries another. Yeshua, Jesus says that, that is adultery. How much more being, remaining married and marrying another. So, you know, being married to multiple individuals is is not a biblical model you'll find it nowhere well, i was going to say nowhere in scripture we'll find that there are were those that were married to multiple individuals we look at we look at yaakov jacob and with leah and rachel and, and bilhah and all that but in all the cases it's not condoned there's not instruction given for it it, it never turns out well uh, we see examples of it, but not exemplifications of it. We see, you know, just as we see murder and theft and all that in the Bible, but it's never condoned or or held up as an example. So, anyway, let me know when you want to be back on, and then I'll... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah. No. Whenever you want to put me back on. Okay. I just was waiting. So, okay, so... All right. Well, that's that's a great point you made. I think. Um, okay. So, so being being sexually involved with two people at the same time, Scripture holds that out as adultery and sexual immorality, not not God's blessing, and you know, you know, God's gift to human sexuality, uh, just the opposite. And you can speak to those that are in certain Mormon sects and sex S-E-C-T-S, Mormon sects that, you know, hold to the original revelation of, of um, polygamy. And, you know, see how happy those people are, especially the women. And, yeah, we could go on and on. It's, there's not a biblical model. There are biblical uh, examples, um, miserable examples, but no biblical, you know, exemplifications of of polyamorous relationships. Okay, another 
thing that this young man talks about. He refers to himself as a slut. Mm-hmm. And he refers to Jesus as a slut, which, again, is unbiblical. I have a complete uh, problem with that. Because if we look at the actual dictionary definition of the word slut, this is what it says. Okay? You can read this over at dictionary.com. Uh, noun, number one, disparaging and offensive, a sexually promiscuous woman or a woman who behaves or dresses in an overtly sexual way. Or the informal definition is a person with a seemingly insatiable but often undiscerning desire to do or have something specified. Examples, uh, guilty of being a shoe slut or a book slut, reading the five books at once. Or the archaic version, A, a prostitute or a harlot. B, an immoral or dissolute woman, or C, a dirty, slovenly woman. So, Jesus is not a woman, first of all. Uh, He is not sexually promiscuous in any way, and um, he is not a slut. And I would also say that this young man is not a slut, at least not by this definition. Uh, He, you know, if he is enjoying the illicit sexual behavior with other men, that well, it, that appears he likes to do. Yeah, then, he mentioned his partners and yeah. sharing his partners with somebody new and right that kind of thing. Then, I guess if you want to be loose and say that it could apply to him, that then that's his choice. I know he thinks it's cool uh, to to like rejoice in that immoral title, but when it comes to a holy God that I love, uh, no, don't think so. Um, <clears throat> And the God of Scripture is holy, and uh, there's no darkness or sin in him at all. And he doesn't lie, right? God doesn't lie. So the God that I serve is holy and perfect, doesn't lie. And so I have a real problem with somebody who is putting these labels on the holy God of Scripture, um, who wouldn't even go there. And that's something we, we, you really need to think about that because, um, uh, the God of scripture is holy and, uh, there's no sin in him. So there's, you know, so there's, there's huge, I have a huge issue with that, with somebody saying, uh, you know, that. So anyway, uh, what else did he say in the video? That you recall. Well, he mentioned that uh, when referring to himself, I should have made a list, but I didn't. When he referred to himself as a slut, he said in the in the redeemed sort of way, and that um, you know, and he equated human relationships as a you know as contact with the divine. I forget his exact words, but. Um, well, let's quote on the Christian Post. It says, you know how you feel when something good right. happens to someone you care about? When your friend, child, neighbor, or neighbor, co-worker connects with the divine? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel when my partners date or meet someone new or just head over heels for someone else. <laughs> how beautiful, how majestic. And they could have more love in their life. So, So according to this guy's theology if you will using that term loosely as 
the, the site does, it's queer theology indeed, um, that any good feeling is somehow contact with the divine. Um, well, indeed, the Lord, our Lord said that, you know, he, he sends the rain upon the just and the unjust. You know, he's good, you know, uh, to the good and the evil, that our Heavenly Father is that way. Mm-hmm. Um, that we are the recipients of grace and mercy. Um, you know, he, the divine contacts us, but simply experiencing something good does not equate to, uh, you know, a transcendent relationship with the divine. We are made <laughs> in God's image, but, um, you know, we might as well be go all Shirley MacLaine and say, God is within, and, you know, because I love this tree, it's, it's you know, it's connection with the divine. Yes, it's his handiwork, but the, you know, but the tree is not God. You know, everything... God is good, but everything good is not God. Right. God is love, but everything that is love is not God. You know, um, Toyota is a brand of car, but not every car is a Toyota. You know, or whatever. You know, it's just it's just false syllogism to say, well, oh, God is good, that everything that feels good is God. You know, is part of the divine. And, well, no, <laughs> it's not. You know, there are a variety of synthetic drugs that may make you feel good for a time, but they have nothing to do with the divine. They are works of man. And, and um, Okay, so yeah. what would you say to somebody then who um, embraces queer theology, to use this guy's terminology? Who, well, who says that, you know... Well, what this guy said is actually accurate. You're a fundamentalist, well, and you're a literalist, well, and you're a dispensationalist, and you're one of those Bible thumpers who, well, you know, needs to, you know, stop taking everything so literally. It's clear that what he said was allegorical, and I can't believe that you would actually say this, you fundamentalist wacko. Well, again, um, I've said this before, Yeah. and, and you know, rather than looking on you know just just in terms of textual criticism and what comes to any sort of ancient literature or even near you know any historic literature mm -hmm. I mean, if we want to look at the u.s constitution and, and what it means we can look to court decisions in the 21st century or you know we can look at at, at the diaries and the and the records from the constitutional convention of when the document was being drafted to have an idea what things mean and what the discussions were the people closest to the document and we look at the early church fathers whether they be polycarp or irenaeus or whoever they are and see what their thoughts are on polyamory i'm pretty sure they didn't write on it at all uh, and they took those that were, I mean, we have the gospel writers who were, you know, most of them who were disciples of Yeshua, Jesus, as he walked the earth. Um, you know, what were the people close to the source? What was their theology? What was their understanding of things? And if something comes up new with, oh, new discovery, new insight, and this word really means this and this whole concept, well, the church has been teaching this for millennia, but we've just figured out what it means. 
it's like, well, why is that? Some new revelation? <clears throat> I mean, the writer of Hebrews, going back several centuries, said God spoke at various times, you know, in sundry ways by the, to the fathers, by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by his son. If, if Jesus didn't <laughs> proclaim it or endorse it, I'd say it, it's probably not accurate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it. To, well, Jesus didn't talk about homosexuality either. Well, no, he didn't. He talked about heterosexuality. We just looked at it. And the model for human sexual relationships, the two, a man and his wife becoming one flesh, and if you know that's split up by anything but sexual morality, marital infidelity, you know, then it's um, then he's not approving of that. What God has joined together, letting a man separate. And we just looked at all that, and and it's more than one place. It's more than Matthew chapter nineteen. Yeah. And first to Matthew chapter five, etc. And yeah, so I could go on and on, but well, you know, I think it it, it goes for me. It goes back to the issue of you know when you put up the 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 video of this young man who clearly has some brokenness. I think. You know, uh, he he comes off to me a little bit defiant in his look, in his tone. Um, like, hey, you're you're not going to tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, well, because it's, 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 it's the satisfaction. I've discovered a loophole. Uh, my under, my understanding is he was raised in the fundamentalist church, though. And so, you know, again, so that's another layer to the issue. So part of the issue i think you know when you begin to look at the layers of the situation what the what people go through if you've ever known somebody who's been hurt in the church there's been a lot of us by the way um and actually been on the receiving end of abuse from people in the church uh because they've been uh rejected by the church and not helped, um, or you've been in that situation yourself, then I can understand the anger that somebody has towards the church. And I, I will share this, I mean, openly, I've shared this before. I mean, if you're a new listener, you might not know this about me, but um, many years ago, uh, Randall and I got married. Yeah, we did. We've been married almost 27 years. We're going on 27 years. That's my husband there. Yeah. Right here. Right there. There he is. <laughs> I knew he was... On the right side of your screen. On the right side. This way? Nope, the other way. You would think I, I should put a point, a sign up there. It says, point this way when you're pointing at Randall. But yeah, Randall and I have been married 27 years almost. Well, 26 years and months. And um, I was sexually abused most of my childhood. I had a mother who didn't want me, who wished I was a boy. And I can actually show you, maybe I will someday, a picture of me when I was eight years old with completely short hair. I looked like a little boy. If you didn't know I was a girl, you would have thought I was a boy. Um, so the, the actual, my history is prime for, uh, you know, you know, for setting me up to go down the wrong path of same-sex feelings towards women. And when I was a young woman in my mid-teens, I had a relationship with a mentor where I kissed her. We Well, we kissed each other. Uh, and that was it. 
okay. I mean, we, we were both like, ah, this is, no, we should not be doing this. And the church leadership threw me out of the church. And she eventually got thrown out of the church for a different reason. But I was kicked out of that church, even though we were like, hey, this is what happened. We're trying to deal with this. I knew that it was not right, biblically, even as a young believer. And I went and got into therapy. Thank God that it wasn't banned back then. Um, you know, about 19, 20 years old at the time when that took place. I'm 50 now, in case you're wondering. I know I don't look a day over 49, do I? Anyway, um, so, you know, I got some therapy and I went to this therapist and they started talking to me. They asked me questions. They wanted to know what my background was, what happened to me and what, you know, what that situation was. And I shared with them, look, this is what happened. You know, my mom told me that she wished I was never born. She hated me. She didn't want me. She wanted more boys, you know, and she, um, you know, she just abused me and, you know, and then I was sexually abused most of my childhood uh, through my teens by a relative. And, and when I turned him in, she forced me to recant. And anyway, there was this whole situation. And so I understood intellectually within a three week period of going through therapy, just talking through the situation that, look, this, this is why I feel the way that I do. But what's missing in today's help for, for this, this generation is that nobody wants to look at why people go down that route. They really don't. They'll talk about it. They'll say they do. But when the rubber meets the road or hits the road, or you know, uh, doing the work is hard. Change is difficult. And, you know, I'm not an advocate of pray away the gay. I don't believe in that at all. That's the myth out there that, that's been labeled. Um, I'm an advocate of somebody dealing with their issues and really looking at what the issue is and really, really working towards understanding why they do the behavior and not just sexually or having to do with same-sex attraction, but with anything. I, I know a lot of you in my audience personally, and I know many of you are royally stuck. You are royally stuck people, some of you are. And it doesn't matter to me how... <laughs> much I try to help you or, or nudge you in the wrong direction or, or in, in the right direction or try to encourage you to move forward, whether it's, you know, business or whatever, you know, you are so stuck. You are stuck. You are like in, like, you know, what do you call tar? Your feet are like in tar. You are royally stuck and you don't have the motivation or the desire to change, but you have the motivation to gripe and complain and blame and not deal with stuff. Because you get something out of that. And it's the same thing with this, this issue. People get something when they're stuck somewhere. And, and whether it's negative or positive, what you feed grows. Okay? When it comes to uh, dealing, however, with, with spiritual abuse and things like that, uh, one thing I'm very thankful for personally in my own spiritual development is that God saw fit to protect me and to make sure that I had a grasp and understanding of what I understood from Scripture, knowing that the Bible is the inerrant, perfect Word of God. There's no error in it. You know, God does not lie. I can hold on to that. Men do, right? Men do. Women do. Children do. Infants do. People, people lie, okay? <laughs> we all lie, right? But God's word is true. So I can open it up. I can read it and know, you know what? This is true. 
This is true. It says here God doesn't lie. Why would God, why would God say one thing and then do another? God doesn't lie. He doesn't do that. Now, your mom might lie. Your dad might have lied. Your favorite teacher might have lied. You know, somebody you looked up to might have lied. But you know what? I have to tell you, God does not lie. So when God says that, you know, he created a man in his image, male and female, he created them, period. That's it. That's it. There's no room for the transgender community in scripture, okay? And don't hate me for saying that, but it's not in the Bible. Not as anything affirming anyway. You know, there is no room in scripture for a gay couple that's, quote, married. Because if there was, I think God who does not lie would have put a book in there like he did for heterosexual marriage in the Song of Solomon. He would have said, oh, yeah, okay, here's Adam and Eve, Adam and Steve here, right? This is how a homosexual couple should, should get along and raise children and do all that. But there's nothing in the Bible about that. And I don't care who you are. Um, you're not going to convince me that it's legitimate if it's not in scripture. And that's where you have to begin. And so, you know, I go, okay, look, you can be mad at me <laughs> for not agreeing with your theology, but you're not going to be mad at me if I hold fast to God's word, which is very, very clear on this issue. It's very clear. Uh, and then the other issue that always, you know, people talk about is, um, they, they forget the politics attached to this. So often I've had people say for years, why can't you just let two people who love them, you know, love each other and do whatever the heck they want in their, in their bedroom, just love blah, blah, whatever. And I'm like, well, because what they do in their bedroom impacts me outside the bedroom, just like what a heterosexual married couple does in their bedroom and how that impacts other people as well. What you do and how you live is not in a vacuum, unless you're on some stranded island somewhere and you're self-sufficient and nobody helps you. Anything that you do impacts the rest of us. <laughs> and that's a fact. That's a fact. People don't want to look at it, but it's true. Systems you know, your church, just as an example, is only as healthy as that pastor. You know, and I can tell you, I went to a church where the pastor was divorced. The elder board was divorced. Almost everybody on that elder board had been married and divorced. Whether or not it was for biblical reasons or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that they, they had the system. It was unhealthy. And when somebody healthy came in who had never gone through that and didn't have that, it disrupted the system. And so guess what happens? You leave that place because you don't fit in. You know, the dysfunction in the church, it carries down whether or not you want to accept it or not. It does. In business, same thing. You know, we've been talking about James McDonald and his church the last couple of weeks and the issue of narcissism and stuff. That carries down. Why did it take that guy, yesterday we read the letter, why did it take that guy a decade to come out and say, oh, this is what happened. Yeah, I was being controlled by this pastor. Because the pastor is abusive and, and controlled people with fear. That's why. That's why abuse continues because people are too afraid to stand up and expose it. Right? They don't want to deal with it. And that's sad because, um, especially as an adult, who are you supposed to... Uh, you know, how are you supposed to protect children if you as an adult can't stand up for yourself? You know, I just so happened to be a child that stood up for myself because nobody else gave a damn about me. And I'll just say it that way, right? It, my, my mother didn't give a crap. My father was nowhere to be found. 
I didn't have teachers go to bat for me. The state had to actually do what their work because I went to them and they're mandated reporters. That's why if you're a therapist or a teacher or in any other helping, helping profession, they have mandated reporters there. They're mandated. They can lose their job if they don't do it, right? So we as people you know, have to stand, as Bible-believing Christians, we have to stand up for what God's truth is, regardless of what your friend or your culture or the emotive argument that you're getting from this this population is going to give you. Instead of going, oh, yes, I applaud your decision. Go, you know what? I'm really sorry. I don't know what it was that happened to you that helped you get to this point in this belief where you're embracing this lie. I love you anyway. But I love you enough to tell you, you can't stay there. You just can't. Because you're never going to be happy. You're going to be miserable. And that's a fact. You're going to be. There's going to be that conflict. And you're not going to like it. You know, change sucks. Let's just say it. It is hard. If change was easy, we would all do it like that. We'd be like, yep. But like I was, I was watching a video. I know I got to get to this thing here in a second. But I was watching a video right before the show of Mel Robbins and everybody loves Mel Robbins. Five, four, three, two, one, the, the five second rule, right? Her, her big breakthrough in research. Mel Robbins hasn't discovered anything new. All she did was package it in such a way that, that the masses could swallow it and take it in, you know? Uh, but she was saying in this video that people who procrastinate, it's not because they don't want to actually, um, do whatever it is that they're, they're procrastinating, they procrastinate because of stress and because they don't know how to effectively deal with stress. So as a result, they put off doing what it is that they know they need to do and thereby just add on to the problem. And that's what they, that's what we do here. We don't ever want to talk about God in the context of the Bible, because how dare we actually call God holy, call him just, you know, call him love, but see... Queer theology doesn't look at the just or the holy. They look at the love, and that's it. It's just love. You know, who are you to tell me I can't just love whoever I want? Really? Well, I'll tell you because the God of Scripture is a just God. He's a holy God as well as a loving God. And you got to have that or you don't have the God of Scripture. And that's the problem. So, anyway, one, one way you can learn more about the God of Scripture is by getting... Uh, material from Ariel Ministries, which is our sponsor. Uh, by the way, you can get 30% off on orders of $30 or more through the end of this month, which is rapidly closing here. By the way, it is uh, December 27th. You got a couple more days to get some good stuff here. So I would encourage you to go over there. And then also, if you want to help Bible News Radio out, there's great, there's so many cool ways you can help us at this show. Um, number one, BibleNewsRadio.com. You can go there, check out our resources page. We have a whole bunch of stuff there that you can buy through our website. And um, you can go ahead and you can um, you can just pick what it is you want. I actually have a couple of things. I'm not sure about the Fearless Prayer Book, though. I think we might have one left. We might want to remove that one bareface. Okay. I just remembered that. But we do have pretty much, you know, the Ariel stuff that we have listed on there. Um, we got the Gospel of the Holocaust, which you guys would definitely get a lot out of that book if you get it. Like $10. If you want to become a pillar of the community, you know, pillars are people who who hold up, you know, you know the ministry. Basically, you, you commit to donating 
uh, to uh, a ministry that, you know, that we're here. Hey, you know, we're going to be here every day at four o'clock central time for an hour. You, I mean, that's my commitment to you. Uh, when you're a pillar, you're, you're like just saying thank you for being consistent and holding up God's word the way that we understand it biblically. Appreciate what you do. A number of you are in our audience, Mia and Tracy and uh, Melanie. And, um, you know, a number of you have donated consistently <clears throat> to us over the past year. And I appreciate the fact that that you do that. But we need more people, honestly. Gina, uh, Mama Gina, Mark. Uh, Denise, a number of you donate um, sporadically, and we appreciate that because we need the money. I mean, hey, you know, I need the money. Just so you know, I'm just going to say, I'm here, I earn it, right? You guys, <laughs> a laborer is worthy, right? Um, and so we appreciate what you donate to us because it definitely helps. It helps me as I, you know, prepare the show and line up the interviews and stuff. And I think maybe later this week I'm going to talk about that, you know, kind of do a year-end recap of what we did this past year. Um, but the other way that you can support the ministry here and support us is by buying Legal Shield and identity theft protection through me uh, and support my side business with Legal Shield. That's the reason I actually started selling Legal Shield was because we need to fill in that gap where the donors aren't coming in. So the thing is that, um, you know, uh, you can go to bit.ly forward slash protect me. That's all caps or actually the best the best um, way to do this is to actually um, just contact me directly. Uh, and I would actually encourage you, if you've been on the fence about buying Legal Shield or ID Shield right now, I, I uh, will tell you that, um, you know, now is the best time to get in because, you know, it could be prices are going to go up. I'm not sure about that, but I did hear through the grapevine that is possibility that the the fees may go up and whatever rate you you sign up at that's the rate you get you know you're at so um <clears throat> and you and you really all do need the product i mean legal shield is 24.95 a month for a family okay i mean that's for a family and you get unlimited legal consultation you get your will done you get letters written on your behalf you get phone calls on your behalf uh, you get traffic tickets taken care of i mean and you get member perks. I mean, it's crazy the value that Legal Shield offers. And what's crazy, what's even crazier to me, is that everybody doesn't jump on the opportunity to get it because you will pay 150 bucks or more for a car payment or car insurance, or if you own a house, way more than that on on homeowners insurance. But you're like, what, 25 bucks? I can't afford that. Really? You can't not afford it. I'm just saying, when you need it. You're going to be glad that you have it because it pays for itself just even with the member perks. Identity theft protection, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> there have been so many breaches, and we have talked about the breaches here on this show. Add, I mean, ridiculously, like I could do a whole show on just identity theft breaches every single day because there's that many of them. Um, $9.95 a month covers your just you as a person right? I mean, everybody can afford that. You get everything monitored practically. I mean, practically everything. And they're actually making, we're making ID Shield even better. We've added 12 new things to it. Uh, starting next year, it's going to be rolling out. Um, and I'm going to tell you something too. What I, what I just found out is that a lot of people are going to be say, well, I can just buy it through the website. Guess what? If you decide later to buy stuff through the website and you don't go through somebody like me, you're going to pay way more, you know, so you need to come through me You'll get a better price, but you'll also get me. 
that's a plus just saying <laughs> it's a big plus because i will follow up put you in a group will nurture you and make sure you're using the service right and get get make sure you have member perks right and get your will done and all that okay so contact me after the show let me know I'll take you through, I'll show you what it is, get you all signed up for the brand new year. That way you won't have to worry because you know what? These breaches are going to keep happening and that's a bummer because evil abounds. And so we just want to help protect you. So that's another way you can you can uh, help yourself and help Bible News Radio at the same time because when you buy through us, it supports me and the show and, um, and it actually gives me the joy of knowing that I got to help you, which is ultimately what I really, really want to do is help you out. Hey, Dr. John, see John, he's John, he did it in Canada. I got a Canadian, a couple of them actually. Anyway, so I just want to say that. Also, um, tomorrow I think is free for all Friday, right? Tomorrow's Friday, right? So I want to go back through here, through let's see if we can look at some of the I saw some questions come through, and I know you want to go because our time's up, but let's see here. I'm going to, okay, there's, looks, okay, some people said amen, and uh, Melanie said, and why would God create two genders if anyone could be with anyone? Well, that's a good question. Um, and not be able to reproduce the whole idea there is to have children. Exactly, okay. Mysterious viewer said, can I ask a question weighing me down? If I prayed for something and God gave it to me, but then I sin, will he take that away? I've already repented. What do you think of that question, Randall? Well, actually, before you answer, <laughs> mysterious viewer, I don't know if you're still here, but if you are, I would, I would question... If God gave you something and it caused you to sin, I would question if it was actually God that gave it to you um, because there is the devil, right? I mean, there is the devil and he gets, you know, he gets good press everywhere. I don't uh, think they're saying that that thing caused them to sin. The answer that they sinned, oh. you know, now do they, I'm getting that they're asking, do they now not deserve it? Really? Okay. Because I said, it says, if I prayed for something and God gave it to me, but then I sin, will he take that away? I've already repented. So the way I'm reading it is this person may struggle with same-sex attraction. Mm. They believe they're born gay. Okay. So if God gave them gayness, but then he sins, will he take it away? That's kind of how I'm reading into that, but I don't know if that's accurate. But the answer is, first of all, God didn't make you gay. Second of all, God doesn't cause anybody to sin. So I would look at the devil in that, in that instance. It's usually our own lust that draws away. Well, yeah, James. Right, but um, yeah, I didn't get that. It, it just okay. uh, it just sounds like um, perhaps our understanding of God is is merited favor. Gotcha. I pray for this, they give it. Oh, but now I sin. Now I'm disqualified for this blessing. Oh, not like uh, that. Okay, so they're saying no. Okay. All right, you know now I just you know now I'm disqualified for this blessing because I sinned. Well, we don't. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, and, and we don't deserve anything that we get, even the good things. Does that mean that we're rotten, you know, uh, wretched people, mm -hmm. worthy of death? Well, yeah, actually, it does in and of ourselves. In, in our human nature, we're, we are unholy. Uh, anything that comes to us, uh, you know, by God's good favor. So if we could do something that would disqualify us, 
Um, you know, that's, that's the question. I was often, I, we're over time now, but I often get that question from young folks at the detention center. Uh, but they take the shape of, well, can I do this and still be saved? Can I do that and <laughs> still be saved? And what they're looking at is this system of, of what most religions of the world are about, the system of good and bad deeds. And if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, no, there's none who does good, not one, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, there's nothing, we don't deserve any of God's goodness. Uh, does he discipline us, you know, and make things difficult for us when we're walking away? Certainly, Scripture is full of, um, you know, such conditions where uh, things get more difficult. Um, sometimes things get difficult because we're living in this world and we experience opposition from unbelievers. But sometimes we experience opposition from God because we're headed in the wrong direction. Uh, in either case, you know, the, our response should be to turn to him, uh, like I say, in repentance, uh, you know, the English word in our English Bibles, repentance from the Greek word metanoia, which means a change of thinking, method change, noia, mind or thinking. Anyway, yeah. Repent is not, oh, I promise not to do again. It's to, to change our way of thinking about something. You know, I I looked at this as maybe desirable and pleasurable and, and okay, and I can wink at that, but, you know, I've changed my mind. The This is not good for my spiritual health, not something that God wants, and, you know, I'm just, you know, I've changed my mind about that. Um, so, but to look at something as... Um, as quoted earlier uh, from Matthew, I think, I want to say chapter 7, but and also in Luke's gospel, Yeshua's words recorded about God sends his rain on the just and the unjust, you know, causes the sun to shine on the you know good and the evil, paraphrasing there, that, you know, God is gracious. There's nothing we can do to deserve um, his good graces. That's the nature of grace. It's unmerited favor. And to look at your relationship with God as some sort of performance thing that I have to do these things to earn his love or earn his favor. Or I can now dis disqualify myself. We did nothing to qualify. We did nothing to qualify for his love. We did nothing to deserve salvation. You know, by grace you have been saved, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, verse 8 and 9. Not of yourself, is the gift of God that no one can boast. So his his favor is just unearned. If we can't qualify to get his favor, what can we do to disqualify his favor? We can walk in rebellion and not experience blessing for sure. Um, but if we're in a relationship with we've repented initially and invited Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ into our lives, then... You know, that that relationship is because what he's done and we've responded to it. Uh, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, Paul talks about that guy who was having sexual relationships with his stepmother. And, and he says, he says to turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that he might be saved. Um So I think when it comes to a spiritual relationship with the Lord, that's irrevocable. 
the gifts and calling of God are revocable, Paul writes. And, but, um, you know, so to look at our relationship with God as somehow some, some sort of good and bad behavior that we're qualified or disqualified, that's an unhealthy view of, of God the Father. Real long answer. <laughs> so, hope, hopefully it helps. Yeah. So they say, so I'm focusing too much on works when I should focus on Jesus. I believe my problem is I felt like I had been good and then I was disobedient when in reality my works don't change it. Pretty much. Your works don't. You can't, you're not saved by works. So there you have it. Yeah, and if we're not saved by works, how can we be unsaved by work actually too i would say if you um i would recommend downloading a mobile app it's called go tandem t-a-n-d-e-m go tandem um it's actually put out um, from back to the bible it's free and i love the app especially for believers who struggle with being in god's word every single day because what it does is it actually um you pick categories that you struggle with maybe anger depression uh, lust, whatever. If you and, and they have the different categories in that app, you just check which category that you want scripture sent to you. And what they do is every single day they send you scripture as many times a day as you want. Actually, you can like get a scripture every hour sent to you, easy. Um, and the research that they did was they actually showed that if people engage in reading the Bible, just reading the Bible, not studying it, just reading the Bible like four or more times a week, then all of those things that most of us struggle with, the temptation, all the other stuff, that stuff considerably decreases by like 80% or something like that. Which if he grows, which starve dies. Do they still do the uh, calls or do they um, go tandem pro? No, no, no. They stopped that a long time okay. ago. All right. I love that though. They actually had a thing where you could sign up and they, they would have somebody call you up once a week to pray with you, which was totally cool. I loved it. It was awesome because it was like the only call I got that was about, you know, it was like instead of somebody wanting something from me, they were calling to bless me instead. So um, anyway, so we uh, uh, have gone way over our time, but but check that out. If you struggle with being in God's word, get on my text message list. Also, text Bible News to 33222. If you do that, then, you know, I try to send out a, a scripture every day, which I didn't do today. But I will now after the show. <laughs> but you can text Bible news to that and I'll send you out a verse every day and show alert about what we're doing. And I have giveaways too. In fact, I'm going to be doing another giveaway pretty soon for a new book I got. So there you have it. I hope the show has somehow helped you. Uh, I hope it has encouraged you. And I hope that uh, if you know you have any questions, feel free to get in touch with us privately and and, uh, you know, ask, and then we'll do our best to address the issue on the next show that we do. All right? Okay, people. Have a good night. Remember, be bold. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. He really does love you. We have a God that loves us who's holy and just and doesn't lie. Just so you know. Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth, and warn them from me. 
have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. <laughs> 